Welcome back to our Bible study on the book of Philippians that we're doing for Wednesday nights. Uh, We'll be looking tonight at Philippians chapter 2 and verses 3 through 11. This is one of the richest uh, theological uh, sections of the book of Philippians and really of the entire New Testament. And yet it is incredibly practical as well and very applicable to the situation that we find ourselves in today. So let me read for us Philippians 2, starting in verse 3. We'll read through verse 11. Paul says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now we've already noticed and pointed out that the book of Philippians is uh, a letter full of joy and Paul calling for rejoicing and expressing his own joy. Uh, but it's, that's, So that's one of the themes. But another theme that we see throughout the book of Philippians is the theme of unity. Paul desires for this church and for our church to be unified around the gospel. So at the end of chapter 1 and verse 27, he said to them, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear that you hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So he wants them to be united in the gospel united around the gospel. At the beginning of chapter 2, he said in verse 2, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So his concern, and this is the same concern that Jesus had that we see in, in John 17 as he was praying before he went to the cross, his concern is for believers to be unified, to be in harmony, to work together, to be in fellowship with one another, to be united around the gospel. So that's his desire. And uh, one of the things that can quickly destroy unity in a church or in a relationship or whatever is selfishness and self-centeredness. And so that's what he addresses next in Verse 3 and 4 of chapter 2, he says, right after he's called for them to be unified, he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. And then in verse 4, he says, let each of you look not only to his own interests. That's our natural inclination, right? Our sinful natural inclination is to look out only for ourselves, uh, to do what is best for us and uh, to seek what is best for us, and if somebody else 
gets in the way or gets harmed in the process or gets overlooked or whatever, um, that's just part of it. That That's the way that sinful humanity naturally thinks. But for those of us who are Christians, we have a new nature, right? We have new desires. Uh, we're new creations. And those sinful tendencies are still there inside of us, and we still give in to them. Uh, but Paul is calling upon us to put those tendencies and those desires and those ways of living to death and instead pursue the things that make for peace. Instead, to pursue the things that build up and promote unity in the gospel rather than destroying it. So he says, don't be driven by selfish ambition or by conceit, by pride and arrogance. Instead, he says, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Now, he doesn't say others are more significant than you. That may or may not be true. Uh, He doesn't address that point. What he does say is, think like, act like others are more significant than you are. Again, our natural inclination, at least for a lot of us, is to think of ourselves as most important. We, you know, like we say, you know, looking out for number one, looking out for myself. That's our natural inclination to put ourselves in first place. But what Paul says we ought to do instead is to be humble. And part of what humility means is treating other people as though they were more significant than you. Uh, Treating them as though they were more important than you. Uh, Instead of expecting them to treat you as though you are more important. So uh, if you think about it, probably some of your favorite people to be around... Uh, Some of the people that it's most enjoyable, most encouraging, most refreshing to be around are people that make you feel important. People who listen to you, um, people who sympathize with you, people who care about the things that you're going through, people who seek to encourage you, people who want to bless you. Um, Paul's saying, I want all of you to be that kind of person. Be the kind of person that puts others ahead of himself. Right? Put others uh, ahead of yourselves and think of them as more significant than you. And, and then he says it again in verse 4. He says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. He's not saying don't care about your own interests, your own needs. Right? He's, he's not saying you shouldn't care about yourself at all. But he's assuming that we're all already good at that. We're all already pretty good at looking out for our own interests. And he says, don't do that exclusively. Don't only look out for your own interests, but also be looking out for the interests of others. Let what would be good for other people, what would benefit them, what would help them, what would serve them, what would bless them, let that be part of the equation in how you make decisions and what things you choose to do and what things you choose to say and what things you choose to type and post and what ways you choose to serve on and on and on and on and on. Think about not only what's good for you, but what's good for other people. What would be in their best interest? So Paul is appealing to us for the sake of the unity of the body to be humble rather than proud and selfish And to be servant-hearted rather than seeking to have others serve us. 
uh, to think of others and not just of ourselves and to make decisions and and uh, determine our actions based on how what we do and what we say is going to affect other people, what will be good for them. Then in verse 5, he begins to connect this uh, command and, and instruction to the example of Jesus. So Paul's not asking us to do something uh, random or unheard of. He is asking us to be imitators of Christ. He is asking us to do the same kind of thing that Jesus did, only really on a much, much smaller scale. So look at verse 5. He says, Have this mind, or your translation might say attitude, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So I want you all to think this way. And there's a sense in which you all ought to already be prepared to think this way because this is part of what you have been given in Christ. Because you belong to Christ, because you're in Christ, um, you have this mind already, but I want you to embrace it. I want you to apply it. So here's, here's the way Christ thought and acted. Here's the attitude that Jesus demonstrated. Verse 6, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. So Jesus, before he was born of a virgin and became a man, uh, before that he was the eternal second person of the Trinity. God has always existed as one God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so before Jesus was born, before his incarnation, the Son of God, who was became man and, and we call him Jesus, the Son of God had always existed as God. He was fully equal with the Father, fully equal with the Spirit. He was fully divine. He was in the form of God, is the way Paul says it. And yet, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He didn't cling on to it. He wasn't striving for it or or seeking to keep that for himself. Instead, Paul says, he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. So instead of saying, you know, I'm God, I'm equal to the Father, I have this position and this power and this place of authority and what is owed to me rightly is worship and praise and honor and all the rest instead of clinging to those things he emptied himself right he humbled himself he lowered himself and became a man right when you're god being born as a man is not a step up. It's a huge step down. It's a, it was a great act of humility for the Son of God to take on flesh and be born as a man. So he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And then Paul says in verse 8, And being found in human form, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So it was not enough that Jesus humbled himself to even become a man in the first place. But Jesus, once he had 
taken on flesh and been born as a man, he further humbled himself by becoming obedient to his heavenly Father to the point of death, and not just any death, but to the point of death on a cross. So Jesus, who was in the highest place, willingly lowered himself to the lowest place. He went from the heavenly throne, where he was receiving unceasing worship and praise, to a Roman cross after being beaten and mocked and spit upon. He was crucified with all the shame that that was meant to inflict upon anybody who was killed in that way. Uh, to uh, So he was receiving a punishment, a death sentence that was reserved for the worst of criminals, the lowest of the low. It was the most horrible way that the Romans could think of to end someone's life. And that is what the Son of God took upon himself in obedience to his Father's will. So, part of the point of Paul giving us that example is for for him to be able to say, and us to be able to say, there is no act of humility or service that anybody can ask of you that will take you lower than how low Jesus already lowered himself. Jesus was in the highest place. He lowered himself to the lowest place for our benefit, for us and for our salvation, as the creed says. Uh, He did this for us. And so when we are asked to give up some of our privileges or rights or whatever for the good of another person, for the good of the church, um, for the good of a brother and sister in Christ. Um, We're not being asked to do something that Paul wouldn't do himself. We're not even being asked to do something that Jesus wouldn't do himself. Jesus was the ultimate example of humility, giving up what, um, what he had, what he rightly possessed what belonged to him. He emptied himself, remaining God, fully God, but becoming a man, being becoming a servant, becoming obedient to the Father to the point of death on a cross. When when we are asked, you know, to forego some little thing because it'll be good for somebody else, you know, uh, let's just take one of the perennial examples in the church, right? Is um, we all have different kinds of music that we like to listen to. Um, and all of us at some level forfeit getting to hear or sing all the songs that we want to hear and sing so that we can sing songs that other people in the church want to hear and sing. And that's a very, very, very small sacrifice, right? When you put it up next to what Jesus has done. Um, Another example that's right in front of us right now uh, is, uh, you know, our doctors and nurses who are uh, serving other people. They're not thinking uh, only of themselves. If they were, they'd be doing something else. 
but they're looking out also for the interests of others. They're in many ways counting others more significant than themselves, uh, being willing to put themselves in harm's way for the good of other people to save lives and to um, care for those who are in need. Um, in some way, all of us are being asked to do this, right? This is why we're being asked, uh, many of us, to, to stay at home or to limit the number of places that we go to. It's not only to protect uh, you as an individual, but it's meant to protect the people around you. It's meant to be a, a, a way to serve others. So um, Jesus is the ultimate example of that. And Paul calls upon us to imitate that example in the church so that we can remain unified. If we're all humble and we're all loving and serving one another, we're all looking out for the interests of one another, we're all thinking not only of ourselves, but also what's good for others, uh, we're not going to have any problems or well, maybe that's too bold. We're not going to have as many problems, right? And it'll be easier to deal with the problems that we have because we'll approach them with the right attitude, right? We're all still sinners, so we're all still going to have conflict and all the rest. But um, if this is our attitude, then those things are a lot easier to work through and to get over. And um, and I, you know, I just want to say again how grateful I am to be a part of a church that is so unified. And I don't say that. Just to say that, it's it's true. Um, I, I'm grateful for it. And uh, I pray the Lord uh, continues to uh, preserve that unity and, and grow us in humility and love and service. Um, that's a, a, it's a real blessing to be a part of a church like that. And I'm sure you feel the same way. Uh, the last few verses uh, speak of Jesus' exaltation. So we see his humiliation in verses uh, six through eight, and then in verse nine to eleven, we see his exaltation. Uh, notice the word therefore at the beginning of verse nine. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. In other words, Jesus has been exalted to the highest place precisely because he was willing to lower himself to the lowest place. It was on account of his humility his service, his uh, willingness to obey even to the point of death. It was on account of that that God has now exalted him to his right hand, to the highest place, given him the name that is above every name. And then verse 10 says, So that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So this is picturing what's going to happen at the end, right? Where everybody is going to have to bow before Jesus. Everybody is going to confess that Jesus is the Lord, that he's God, that he reigns over all. And that is true because of what he was willing to give up. I mean, think about it this way. He suffered and was mocked and uh, humiliated um, and was, they, the world threw everything at him that it could to, to say to him, we don't want anything to do with you. We have no respect for you. We don't like you. We want you gone. We want you dead. We want you out of our lives. But one day they're all going to have to bow in front of him and say, you're the Lord. We treated you as though you were the lowest of the low, but you're actually the highest of the high. You're the king of kings. You're the Lord of lords. 
So Jesus has been exalted to that place and he's going to receive that reverence and honor and worship to the glory of the Father because of what he willingly suffered for us. And the Bible is very clear um, that our lives ought to follow the same pattern. Right now, we're not going to be exalted as high as Jesus, obviously. There's only one Lord of Lords and King of Kings. But the Bible is very clear from beginning to end that the way to be exalted is through humbling yourself. Jesus talked about this in his own ministry. I remember he said that the last will be first and the first will be last. He who exalts himself will be humbled. The one who humbles himself will be exalted. Uh, we see this in the life of King David. Remember after David was anointed as the king, he was persecuted and pursued by Saul who tried to put him to death. He suffered tremendously. And then after an extended period of time uh, of suffering and, and, uh, and scorn and persecution, then David was exalted to the throne and got to reign as king. Um, the Bible says in uh, Romans chapter 8 that if we suffer with Jesus, right, then we will also uh, reign with Jesus, be glorified with Jesus. So uh, this is the pattern that our lives are supposed to follow too. And that's meant to be uh, both an exhortation and an encouragement. Right? We're, we're exhorted to humble ourselves now to be willing to serve others, to put others ahead of ourselves, to think not only of ourselves, but also to think of others. We're encouraged to live that way now with the promise that those who live that way now will be honored and exalted in the future. Um, we know that the Bible says we, we want to be the people who are going to hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant on the last day. Well, Who's he going to say that to? He's going to say that to people who in varying degrees have humbled themselves, have poured themselves out for other people, have loved and served others in their churches, among their neighbors, in their families. Um, people who, many of them, many of us, um, were not terribly significant in the eyes of the world. Uh, many of them people who... Um, people took for granted, uh, many of them, people who didn't get a lot of respect or a lot of credit for the things that they did because they did them quietly and, um, they didn't draw a lot of attention to themselves, but they were consistently serving other people. Um, that's the kind of pattern, right? That all Christians to one extent or another ought to follow, whether we're in prominent positions or not. Um, and, the Bible is clear that those who live those kind of lives of humble service in the name of Jesus, because they belong to Jesus, uh, they're going to be exalted and honored. And um, that's going to be true of all of us, right, who belong to Christ, who follow his example. So it's just an encouragement to us to um, pursue and persevere in humility and love. Uh, we have been saved by a God, the God who has humbled, who humbled himself for our sake and for our salvation. And as a result, we ought to humble ourselves and pour ourselves out for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We ought to love one another. We ought to be willing to lay down some things right, for their good. And uh, if we do that, 
it'll be a whole lot easier to get along. The church will run a lot more smoothly. We'll be unified. And um, as I said, we the Lord has blessed us uh, with a real spirit of unity, but we always want that to grow and increase, right? So that's that's our prayer.